0: hello welcome back to another episode of on deck presented by deep dive sports i'm your host greg as always and i'm joined by dominic
1: hello everyone
0: so in this episode we're going to go over a few different topics we're going to go do world series recap go over some of the games who were the stars in those games we're going to talk about the gold glove recipients that just that list came out about a week a week and a half ago or so we're going to talk about key free agents we each picked two and we're going to like decide maybe where they should go where they might go maybe for how much we're going to talk about buster posey's retirement uh i believe a bit of a week and a half two weeks ago buster posey of the new york giants said that he was going to retire we're just going to go over a little bit of his pretty much i would say hall of fame history uh, um and hall of fame career and what what he's going to be you know doing so And then we're going to finish it off with our one fact about baseball. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it. The 2021 World Series is over, and the Atlanta Braves are the champions. They defeated the Houston Astros in six games. This is the fourth championship as a team, but the first since 1995. And they were kind of that dark horse throughout the whole postseason, but they found their groove, and they definitely – won it in some dramatic fashion. So as I said before, the Braves won with a total of four games to two game one, the Braves won six to two. The top performers in that game were Jorge Soler went two for five with a home run, a run and two RBIs. We talked about this last week or last episode, but Charlie Morton, those two innings pitched on a broken leg. That was just phenomenal. Game two, Was won by the Astros as a score of seven to two. The top performers in that game, Jose Altuve, went two for four with a home run, two runs and an RBI. And Equity pitched five innings, had six hits, two runs, and seven K's. The Braves bounced back in game three, winning that game two to nothing. And Ian Anderson pitched five innings, no. Hits, no runs, four Ks, and three walks. But the real, real key to that game was the Braves bullpen. A.J. Minter, Luke Jackson, Will Smith pitched lights out, four innings pitched, two hits, zero runs, three Ks, and zero walks. Game four showed the Braves keeping up that momentum, winning three to two. Top performers were Danby Swanson, went one for three with a home run, and Solaire picked up the second home run of the series, going one for one with a pinch hit home run, so that was pretty awesome. Then we move into game five, and, you know, we were all thinking that this was going to be it when, when the Braves came out swinging hard in that first inning. But the Astros did come back and win that game nine to five. Top performers were Maldonado went one for three with a walk and three RBIs. Guriel went three for five with two runs and an RBI. Duvall went one for four with a home run and four RBIs. And that was that grand slam I was talking about in that first inning. Uh-huh. And that was just amazing. And then Carlos Correa went three for five with a run and two RBIs. But it was game six that the Braves definitely closed it out in a really, really amazing fashion. Uh, seven to nothing. Solaire hit a third home run. Uh, had a walk, two runs, three RBIs. Freddie Freeman went two for four, had that home run. I just thought that that was something that he just needed to have in that game. And, you know, a, a world series clinching game to have a home run is just amazing. Uh, Abides went two for three with a walk and two runs, Swanson one for four, also had another home run, two RBIs, Max Freed was the star of that game, if you ask me, uh, six innings pitched, four hits, six Ks, but it was Solaire who came across with that hardware at the end of the the game and into the series he did win the mvp for the three home runs and six rbis for this series so what was your takeaway in all of that dom
1: it it amazed me one how they they rebuilt the team at the trade deadline kind of on the fly after um ronald acuna's injury um i mean they, they ended up trading for the guy that ended up becoming the world series mvp um it it just um, it's amazing how they rebuilt the team and didn't give up on the season. Um, And I think they, they laid the blueprint for, you know, mid to small market teams um, for how they can build a team and and win a world series. You know um, the, the core of this team, they brought up through their farm system and developed them. And then they, they filled in the roster um, with quality players as needed um, to kind of fill some of the gaps. You know, going into the playoffs, I definitely thought that they were a team that, you know, if things fell the right way, that they could definitely make a run. Um, I did not think that they would win the World Series, but I figure they can at least, you know, get to an NLCS and be competitive. Um, But the way that the team played together is just, you know, it's great. Um, It's good to see. And obviously taking down the Astros just makes it a little bit better. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Atlanta first time since you know 95 that they've won the world series um so technically second time in, in my lifetime that they've won it um so it, it, it's just good to see um, new teams you know being competitive and you know winning the championships
0: and i definitely think that this is going to be kind of the last year you're going to see that core of houston still there uh, a lot of free agents uh, abound in that team and I, I think that you're not going to see that anymore so We definitely have a few interesting facts about this World Series that I thought I'd bring to light. Uh, Jock Peterson, who uh, came over from the Dodgers the year before, uh, became the ninth player in World Series history to have World World Series back to back on two different teams, two different years. So I had to kind of look that up and say, okay, how often does that happen? And it's actually not happened. It's happened four times in the last, you know. 10 years, but then it goes back a little deeper. So I'm just going to go over some of the names that they got to do it. Ben Zobrist won it in 2015 with the Royals, and then he won it again in 2016 with the Cubs. Jake Peavy won it in 2013 with the Red Sox and then was traded at the trade deadline in 2014 to the Giants and won a World Series with them in the, in 2014. Then you have Ryan Therott. He won it with the cardinals in 2011 and with the giants in 2012 and then this is when we go back a little bit then before that it was jack morris won it with the twins in 1991 and the blue jays in 1992 you had don gullett won it in 1976 with the reds in 1977 with the yankees gullett actually won three straight world series with the Reds winning it in 75-76, and then he gets traded to the Yankees and wins it in 77. So that's three years in a row. So he had a pretty good little run there. Then you had Bill Swarceron. That's how you say it. 1962 with the Yankees, 1963 with the Dodgers, and Clem Lambine was 1959 with the Dodgers, 1960 with the Pirates, but the... First one to ever do it was Mr. Allie Clark. He won it with the 1947 Yankees and the 1948 Indians. So only nine players Mm. have ever gone back-to-back winning World Series with two different... So no players ever won a World Series with three different teams in three different World Series. So that's what we talked about. But Pablo Sandoval will get a ring this year. Yeah, he did play 69 games for the Braves. He's still one of those journeyman guys and that gives him four world series rings that is the most among active players he has three with the giants and one with the braves so that's pretty cool xander bogarts i think is right behind him with three and i think all three of those were with the red sox and to cap all of this off hank aaron we 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 lost this year you know number 44 for the braves he was just uh, an amazing individual i had the chance to meet him three times at the a job I was working and it was a pleasure to meet him every time, but he played the, you know, had that number 44 and, and he, he really kept that to his heart. So in the year that Hank Aaron passed, the Braves won 44 games before the all-star break. They won 44 games after the all-star break. And then they won the world series on the 44th week of the year. That's amazing. That's too much of a coincidence. <laughs> too much of a coincidence
1: yeah i i definitely usually don't believe in coincidences but i don't know like that that's that's just too i don't know that that's just too weird i i don't know if weird's the the proper word to use but that's all i can think of
0: that i, I don't know there's there's really no words that they can really describe it for me and I read somewhere else and I couldn't find it. The, the the I screenshotted it, but I couldn't find it. But there was another thing where 44 was in something like there was 44 of this. And I was like, oh, th- that's just nuts. But it was a kind of a random stat sheet. So it wasn't 100%, but it's out there. If you guys can find it online for us and post it in the comments on the, the Facebook page or, or the Instagrams, let us know so that we can add that little stat sheet to it. So moving on to the Gold Glove recipients for 2021. They were announced about a week and a a week and a half ago or so. The Rawlings Gold Glove Award, usually referred to simply as the Gold Glove, is the award given annually to the Major League Baseball players judged to have exhibited superior individual fielding performance at each fielding position in both the National League and the American League. Winners are determined from voting by the managers and coaches in each league. One caveat to that is they are not permitted to vote for their own players. So this is really what I believe is. This is, you know, coaches and managers saying these are the people that we believe Exhibited just amazing talent this year. So I'm just going to go through it I'll start with the National League and then go to the American League But at first base it was Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals and the American League Yuri Gurriel for the Astros second base had Tommy Edmund for the Cardinals and American League had Marcus Simeon for the Blue Jays third base was Nolan Arando of the Cardinals and American League Matt Chapman of the Oakland Athletics shortstop saw Brandon Crawford of the Giants win, and on the American League Carlos Correa of the Astros. And we jump jump out to left field Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals. If you don't see something, you know, happening here with a certain uh, team, you, you'll see it at the end. And then an ex Red Sox player now Royal. Andrew Benatendi won it in the American League at left field. Center field was Harrison Bader of the Cardinals. And then the American League, it was Michael A. Taylor of the Royals. Right field, Adam Duvall, half a year with the Marlins, half a year with the Braves. American League had Joey Gallo with the Rangers, half a year in the Yankees at the end. Moving to catchers. National League Jacob Stallings of the Pirates and an American League Sean Murphy of the Oakland Athletics, and at the pitcher, which is a, you definitely it's a hard one to get a you know Gold Glove on this one. Pitcher was National League's Max Freed of the Braves and Dallas Keuchel of the White Sox. So the Cardinals make history, become the first team in Major League history to have five Gold Gloves in the same season. That's just a-
1: yeah, it's definitely definitely deserved um, the way that they played this year is uh, they, they, they were off to a slow start but they definitely came on towards the end of the year and you know pitching and defense was you know the the focal point of the team you know they were they were good offensively but it was it was really their defense and, and pitching that really kind of paved the way um, for their playoff run you know five gold gloves that's obviously like you said a record and I think it's definitely deserved
0: yeah i mean and the team you know made it to somewhat of the the postseason when they did at least the the you know playing game and uh, mike Schultz, you know he's top three candidate for for coach of the year and and he, they, the cardinals fired him like so you have you almost made the playoffs you have five gold gloves on your team and you got fired i just i don't even know I, yeah, maybe they felt that they
1: underperformed as a team. I, I have no idea.
0: So moving on to our third category of the night, we are going to talk about two key free agents that we think will go somewhere else this year and maybe where and how much. So Dom, I'm going to start with you on this one. All right.
1: So the first key free agents
0: um, I have
1: is, is Trevor Story. And I could see him going, um, staying in the National League, but I think he's going to go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, they're a team that's been you know, trying to you know, acquire players through free agency um, for the last couple of years. Um, they're, I think they're desperate to start competing for the playoffs. Uh, they were looking like they were you know, maybe contending this year, uh, but I think they're just one or two pieces away. And bringing in a in a bat like Trevor Story will definitely fill some holes in that lineup, and I think he'll pair really well with Bryce Harper. Um, I don't think he's going to get the top money that he was, you know, probably looking at before the season started because he had a little bit of a down year. Um, but I can still see him getting. It'll definitely be a multi-year deal. I can see him getting four to five years, probably like 150, yeah, probably in that 150 million range. Because um, I, I still think that he's going to be commanding a lot of big money, but I don't think he's going to be in that two to three hundred million dollar range. Um, then the next free agent that I have is Noah Syndergaard, um, star pitcher for the Mets. Um, had you know gone through a little bit of a rough patch the last two years. Um, I know he was injured all of this year, um, or most of this year. I, I think you know he's likely to re-sign with the Mets. But if I were him. I, I would think, you know, maybe it's time for a fresh start. Um, I would look to stay on the East Coast, but I would be going to the American League if I were him, and I would go to Toronto because um, I think that that's a team that is built to win now, um, especially on the offense. They just need, you know, one or two more arms in that rotation and bullpen, and this can be a legitimate contender. Um, and if if guard is able to come back, at Hell, even seventy-five to eighty percent of what he was with the Mets, that's still a quality-two starter, um, especially on on that team. I think it'd be smart for him to go to Toronto with Syndergaard. I don't, I don't think it'll be a, a large contract, um, just given his injury history. I think it'd be, you know, probably a one to two-year contract, um, kind of like a, a show-me deal. Um, kind of prove that he's he's able to still be Noah Syndergaard. Um, so probably two years, 15 mil, 20 mil around there. You know, obviously if, if he was fully healthy, he'd be compa- um, commanding top money. But given his injury history, I, th- I think he's not going to get as much. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got. What about you?
0: So my first player that I picked is going to be... Kind of a utility guy is Chris Taylor, um, 31 years of age. He is just classified as a super utility player. Um, he, he, you could use him anywhere. You could use him in outfield. You could use him in center field, shortstop, second base, third base. He's just he's just that type of player, and I think that he's going to maybe land kind of a four year deal. And I'm I'm going with the Red Sox on this one. Um, the Red Sox have known to uh, reunite players that have played together because they know that certain players have chemistry with each other. And Kike um, Hernandez uh, played for the Dodgers last year and I think, or in 2020. And I think that this would be a fit to reunite him with him and uh, see what, you know, what he can add to this potent Red Sox offense. Uh, just adding that extra bat, I think that that would make it amazing i'm probably looking he's probably looking at you know 68 million for four years or so that that seems about right and then my second one and this you know you might not agree with this and a lot of people think that i'd be crazy but i think that clayton clayton kershaw is going to leave the dodgers
1: okay yeah
0: yeah I i can see it i think that he's just got to this point where he's just i don't want to say worn out as welcome but he just needs a different change of pace and like you said, he's at the towards, I don't to say the end of his career, but he's getting pretty darn close and you just want to, want to shine out a little bit more. And sometimes people want to do that where they grew up and where they, where they feel comfortable. You saw um, Roger Clemens do that when he went to Houston at the end of his career. Um, so I think that Clayton Kershaw at the age of 34 probably gonna to go to the texas rangers he didn't pitch more than 160 innings uh last year i mean he's elite but he's not lights out and then and then they brought in max scherzer and he's definitely now your number one um even if kershaw was being put in as the number one you know before so i think that that kershaw steps out takes a little bit lesser of a role you know maybe one year 18 million 18 and a half tops, um, you know, in his hometown Rangers, that's where he grew up. And I think that, that you know, the, after the the Dodgers de- um, declined to issue him the qualifying offer, I, the writing is on the wall on that one. All right, moving on to our last topic of the evening. I'm going to get your take first on, on what you think of Giants superstar Buster Posey of what his career was before I get into kind of what he uh, he did in his career
1: i mean he's i i think he's a first or second ballot hall of famer um you know the of the catchers of his generation he's definitely he's got to be at or near the top um of the list he's he's been the, the the face of the of the giants for his pretty much his whole career um you know he for a while he was probably the best catcher in baseball um both defensively and and offensively, um, no one no one was better. Um, I I was surprised by his retirement. I still think that he had, you know, maybe a little bit in the tank, but you know, obviously, it was his decision to make. And if he felt that he couldn't perform at the level that he was, then you know, stepping away was what he felt was best. Um, but yeah, I mean, not not much else to say other than he's you know one of the best.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, if you didn't already know, listeners, Giants superstar Buster Posey announced his retirement Thursday, November 4th. And he dropped the curtain on his career with the San Francisco Giants. During his 12-year Major League career, he led the Giants to World Series titles in 2010, 2012, and 2014. And he was the 2010 NL Rookie of the Year and the 2012 NL MVP. He also earned four silver slugger awards, one gold glove award behind the plate and one L NL batting title with that. There's kind of a lot of things that you want to, you know, what did he do? What were his biggest moments? And, and, and some of this, I, I credit to like, did you change the game of baseball? Did you change the game in which you played to make it better, to make it worse, whatever, what have you. And I, I always think that that that's a, you know a big thing especially if it's for the better um for possibly getting into the hall of fame but i'm just going to go over five little moments that i think that are really kind of the shining star um for his career i'm going to start a little bit out of order as far as dates go but kind of saving the best for last so in june 13th 2012 he caught for matt Kane, who pitched a perfect game if you know anything about baseball you know that a pitcher can't pitch a perfect game without an amazing game by the catcher, um, giving them the correct signs, everything like that. It's just it's just amazing but to have being able to catch somebody with a perfect game, not just a no hitter, but a perfect game. That's that's pretty monumental when it comes to a career. Second is September eleventh, two thousand and nine. Uh, that's when Buster Posey was called up to the major leagues rise to the ranks of the minor leagues and got his call up and uh you know the giants catcher beanie molina uh got injured and it was his time so i think that that's a major career stat or you know to the day you got called up third on that list is october 13th 2010 halloween buster goes deep in game four of the world series like i talked about with freddie freeman being able to hit a home run in a world series no matter what the outcome is is just amazing just helping your team you know madison Bumgarner teamed up in game four against the texas rangers to become the first rookies starting pitcher and catcher tandem in the world series since yogi Berra caught skep shea in 1947 so that was really cool two rookies you know behind one behind the plate and one throwing the ball but he did go deep in that World Series. And then 2012, October 11th, Bosey hits a grand slam and lifts the National League Division Series win over Cincinnati. Again, highlights of his career. But the final one, and the one I was kind of alluding to, was do you change the game of baseball with the things that you And unfortunately, this was a, a bad thing for Buster Posey, but it was an amazing thing for the fact that it changed the rules so in May 25th of 2011 it was that fateful collision at the plate and that changed the game of baseball after that so May 25th game against the Florida Marlins Buster Posey suffered the most devastating injury of his career it was in the 12th inning when Scott Cousins barreled into Posey at home plate scoring the eventual winning run on a sack fly Posey suffered a fractured fibula and a torn ligaments in his ankle requiring season-ending surgery. The collision led Major League Baseball to adopt rule 7.13, informally known as the Buster Posey rule, which states that a runner attempting to score may not deviate from his direct pathway to the plate in order to initiate contact with a catcher or other players covering home plate. So that changed how players could charge the plate it changed how players could uh, even even slide into second or third and it really gave more of an aspect of of safety for the the players uh and and took away that you know negative uh i'm just going to hit him as hard as i can and see if i can get the ball to come up and it definitely it's for safety and it's like i said it was a bad thing for him but it changed the game of baseball for the better one final little stat for him and this is just blew my mind when I actually read this. So Buster Posey caught 1,093 games in his career. He only allowed 27 passed balls. Wow. <laughs> Think of how many pitches were thrown at you in over a thousand games and to only have had twenty seven passed balls if that's not a that should be on your hall of fame enshrinement plaque that stat alone is first ballot to me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, moving on to our final topic, which is our one fact about baseball that we like to share with you guys. So, Dom, I'm going to start with you. What is the one fact about baseball that maybe people don't know? So, my interesting
1: fact for this episode um, kind of ties in my love of baseball with um, how big of a history buff that I am. Um, so, in 1910, um, April 14th, 1910, President William Howard Taft was both a semi-pro baseball player and the first president to throw the ceremonial first pitch um, at a major league game.
0: So he was president and he was playing semi-pro ball? Yeah,
1: yeah. The the you know, fact sheet that I'm looking at here um, says that he was a semi-pro player and the first president to throw a ceremonial first pitch that's amazing
0: history is just amazing (laughs) so i'm going to actually with my stat or my little fact i'm going to actually stick with that early early uh 1900s uh era as well did you know that the fastest recorded major league baseball game only lasted 51 minutes really (laughs) it happened on september 28th 1919 at the polo grounds back then new york giants beat the philadelphia phillies six to one in 51 minutes. That's,
1: I don't think anyone wanted to play that day. They just wanted to get it done as quick as possible.
0: <laughs> no, it was like, Oh, okay, out, out, okay. Like everybody go, let's, let's keep it moving. Yeah. no, No one
1: takes more than two pitches.
0: <laughs> so that ends this episode of on deck again, presented by deep dive sports. Uh, if you are on the Instagrams or on the Facebook, we started an Instagram page specifically for, On decks so you can find that in that deep dive sports category. And definitely check us out on Facebook and see all the other episodes that we have. We always put the links to our Spotify, our Google, our Amazon music, all those links are on those Facebook pages and those Instagrams. So please check them out. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more. Feel free to listen to past
1: episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any updates. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.